and welcome to European Serial Killers, a new show for those who want to start their day with snap, crackle, and plenty of pizzazz. I'm your host, Stanley Bick, and I'll be serving you up a bowl of crunchy European news and mores. So, if you're ready to dive into the heart of Europe's ever-evolving narrative, grab that spoon and get ready for a bowl of news. Today we start with Freezing Rents and Time Warps, a Marxian spin on Germany's comedy of costly living. Then we have Veiled Veil, Shadows of Tradition and Secular Strife in France, followed by an essay, Unveiling the Paradox, War's Peculiar Economic Dynamo. Veils seem to be a theme today. We start with a story about capping rent in Germany by our quick-witted reporter in Berlin, Mr. Marx. His title, Freezing Rents and Time Warps, a Marxian spin on Germany's comedy of costly living. Here we go. Well, 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 folks, it's like deja vu all over again in the land of sauerkraut and schnitzel. Germany's ruling Social Democratic Party is trotting out a plan that's raising eyebrows faster than a vaudeville magician pulling a rabbit from a hat. Hold on to your suspenders because they're proposing a three-year hiatus from rent hikes that's got people scratching their heads like they're deciphering a cryptic crossword puzzle. Picture this. SPD honcho Verena Huberts steps up like a flapper with a megaphone, declaring they need to give folks some breathing room. Breathing room? Last time I checked, freezing rents doesn't exactly conjure up more closet space, unless they've invented rent-controlled TARDISes. And speaking of time travel... Chancellor Olaf Scholz is supposed to reveal his time-bending tricks to tackle the cost-of-living conundrum. I can almost hear him saying, Watch closely as I make inflation disappear, just like Vaudeville did. But here's a twist that'll make your handlebar mustache curl. This isn't Germany's first tap dance with rent regulations. Back in the day, they had rules that tried to corral rent increases, like trying to lasso a bucking bronco with dental floss. And now, they're playing the limbo, lowering those limits from 20% to a mere 11%. It's like trying to plug a leaky bucket with a sieve. Now, here's where the story really gets as tangled as a phone cord after a teenage gab fest. Hey, who, who, who edited this piece? Ah, okay, no one did, okay. All right, here we go, we're back. The SPD's not settling for a simple freeze. Oh no, they're turning it into a jazzy two-step. They want to let rents waltz up by a paltry 6% in high-demand cities, while everywhere else gets a freeze that's icier than a polar bear's polar plunge. I can practically hear the landlords scratching their heads, wondering if they're stuck in a Marx Brothers skit. Very clever there, Mr. Marx. Speaking of which, 
Remember when folks were navigating the wild waters of the Prohibition era? It's like a blast from the past, with Germany trying to freeze rents like they're freezing out bathtub gin. Back then, they had speakeasies. Now, they've got rent control parties. And the cherry on this historic cake? Stricter penalties for those landlord rascals who dare to flout the rules. It's like telling Groucho Marx he can't crack a joke. Good luck with that, Germany. So there you have it, ladies and gents. Germany's Espe Day is tapping its way into the rent freeze show, hoping to solve a puzzle that's as puzzling as a Rubik's Cube in a hall of mirrors. As time marches on, it seems history keeps boomeranging back like a returning boomerang. <laughs> okay, thank you, Mr. Marx. Uh, though, may, though you may have served up too many punchlines with that piece. You can't waggle your cigar that much, Mr. Marx. Okay, I think uh, now we'll be going to Paris, where the somber Mr. Poe is, and he submitted a story on France banning the abaya in public schools. His title is Veiled Veil. Shadows of Tradition and Secular Strife in France Once upon a time, in a land where echoes of the 19th century still whispered through the corridors of power, a curious decree emerged from the heart of France, a tale spun in the realm of education, where young minds were meant to bloom Yet the tendrils of history and identity twisted the narrative into a shadowy dance. France, a land that had long sought to prune the garden of its educational realm from any traditional religious blossoms, now found itself grappling with a new challenge, the abaya, those loose-fitting robes favored by Muslim women, had become the focal point of a modern-day tempest. Back in the year 2004, 2004, veils upon heads were deemed unfit for the halls of learning. Then, in 2010, the full visage was shrouded by another prohibition. A Muslim community, numbering five million strong, found itself entwined in these restrictive threads, struggling against the forceful winds of change. Now, in the present, as the back-to-school season approaches, the edict has been pronounced once more. The abaya shall be banished from state-run schools. The echoes of century past, when the church was severed from the classroom, still resonate. But this time... The landscape is not only marked by religious upheaval, but also the duality of identity and ideology. The banner of secularism is paraded proudly, like a raven's wing slicing through the air, uniting the liberal torchbearers of enlightenment with the shadows of far-right sentinels. A battle for the soul of the nation, 
fueled by a fear of the creeping influence of Islam upon the tapestry of French society, unfolds with each decree. I have decided that the abeya could no longer be worn in schools, declares the education minister. His words a somber proclamation on a gloomy evening. A desire for neutrality, for anonymity within the hollowed halls is the driving force. The desire to erase the footprints of religious identity, like phantoms fading into mist, seeks to cast a monochrome hue over the classroom. As the chapter unfolds, one cannot help but recall the past, the 19th century, when the ink of change flowed, the, tra the traditional Catholicism was uprooted from the very soil of public education. The echoes of the past reverberate, casting their shadow over the present turmoil. And so the saga of France continues, a land where robes and veils are no longer mere clothing, but are symbols upon which the tale of a nation is written, a tale of tradition, modernity, and the ever-present specter of identity that lingers like a raven perched on the threshold of the unknown. Now that was uh, a provocative piece. Uh, uh, yes, okay, Mr. Poe. That uh, I'll have to think about that a bit more. Oh. <clears throat> Let's see. Excuse me. Uh, I have to catch my breath. And now we turn to Mr. Buckley's poignant essay on the economic benefits of war, which I thought was a timely piece, considering the amount of money pouring into Ukraine. Evermore, nevermore. Okay, sorry. Mr. Buckley's whereabouts are unknown at present. The title of his article is Unveiling the Paradox, War's Peculiar Economic Dynamo. The interplay between war and the economy seemingly fraught with contradiction, beckons us to unearth the manifold implications of conflict. Amidst the tragedy and turbulence that warfare invariably engenders, lies a complex web of economic dynamics that has beguiled thinkers for generations. By scrutinizing the historical register, one can discern instances where the exigencies of war have, against expectation, acted as a peculiar catalyst for economic growth. The conundrum of war's economic impact is perhaps most poignantly illuminated by examining... <clears throat> Let's try that again. The conundrum of war's economic impact is perhaps most poignantly illuminated by examining the tapestry of World War II. As nations clashed on an unprecedented scale, 
the machinery of war and the impetus for victory propelled economies into uncharted territories. American industry, as if roused from a slumber, metamorphosed into a colossal engine of production. Factories hummed with fervor, churning out arms and ammunition, while scientific discoveries, born from the crucible of necessity, paved the way for advances that continue to resonate today. The war, undoubtedly a cauldron of agony, kindled a fire of innovation that reshaped economies for decades to come. The cataclysmic upheavals of the 20th century extends its reach into the oft-overlooked corridors of the Korean War, a conflict of far lesser scale. It nonetheless yielded unexpected economic dividends. The post-war resurgence in the United States saw a spike in defense spending, a necessary evil to protect against potential adversaries. The surge of investment radiated through industries like aerospace, electronics, and telecommunications, fostering technological leaps that fortified the economic edifice. The Korean War, an unassuming chapter in the annals of history, paradoxically inscribed its mark on the economic parchment. However, caution must temper our analysis. The inclination to tout war as an economic elixir must not overshadow the immeasurable human cost of conflict. The price paid and lives lost and communities shattered cannot be balanced on the ledger of economic gains. Moreover, war-induced economic booms tend to be ephemeral, their longevity bound by the very conflicts that birthed them. In summation, the nexus between war and economic dynamism remains a study in paradox. To recognize the historical instances where war's crucible ignited economic vigor is not an endorsement of war, but rather an invitation to grapple with the intricate facets of history. We must confront this complexity with reverence for the life sacrificed and a commitment to pursuing peace. It is through this nuanced understanding that we glimpse the kaleidoscopic dimensions, dimensions of war's legacy, revealing the unexpected contours it carves on the economic canvas. Well, thank you very much for those words, Mr. Buckley. That was a, a great conclusion uh, to today's episode. And uh, we hope you enjoyed our stories today. And please drop, drop by and see us again. This was our our first uh, podcast, so it might have been a bit bumpy, but uh, we hope you enjoyed it. We hope you thought it was delicious, right? This is the European 
uh, serial killers podcast. So yes, we hope it was uh, a lot of snap, crackle, and pizzazz. All right. Take care. Until next time, this is Stanley Bick. Goodbye. Rockets. Love. Love. Not rockets.